Well, well, hey, howdy, hey. Welcome to the Texans thing. I got a lead on you that time. You did, but did you see how I kind of blended into mm-hmm. that? I hope it worked out as well. Is that, is that, that like so harmonizing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harmonizing? Sure. Yeah. I don't know if we should ever start harmonizing for the no, intro. Probably no. would not be very good. But um, uh, we are indeed harmonizing with life right now because we are drinking some vino. And what do we have tonight? So it is, uh, you pronounced it better than I did. Chateau, what was the last word? Sarvain. Sarvain? Something like that. So I should have brought the bottle up here. That that non, seemed like a smart thing to do. Anyway, the thing that comes to mind is Sauvignon, but that's not it. No, it's it's. I, I think it actually means. I think you're right. Castle Sovereign or the Sovereign Castle. Sovereign. Hold on. So, Sovereign. We'll go with that. Well, Chateau Sovereign. Let me pull it up. All of our French listeners, please do not send me hate mail. That'd be really. <laughs> Uh, probably deserve it, uh, but not for that, please. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's a really good wine. Um, so it's a Merlot. It's not as tart. So yeah, it is Chateau Sarvain. 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 Yeah. That's it. Oh wait, wait, wait. Souverain. Souverain. Yeah, Souverain. Chateau Souverain. We'll go with that. If I said it wrong, please let me know. If I said it right, two thumbs up. Um, it's really good. So it's um, drier than the last wine that we had. I'm going to see if it gives a... Oh, it does give a... Did it give a description? It does give whoa, a description. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me, let me describe it first, and then you, you describe it. The okay. way it's supposed to be. But I'll tell you how I think, and you think... What's funny, I would have not thought any of this. Okay, hold on. So... It's drier than the last one we had. And the last one we had wasn't all that dry. It was about like a four on the dry scale. Yeah. It, uh, and so this one is probably about a three. Ten being the driest. Yeah, about yeah. a three, three and a half. And it's not a whole lot drier than one last last time, but it's, it's a bit drier. It has not, a dry afterbite. It's not as tart mm-hmm. as the last one. So it's a little bit... It's still, it's still tart as far as wine goes, but it's not... Uh, not quite as tart as the last one we had. And it is a Merlot. Mm-hmm. What did we have last night? Uh, it was a Merlot. It was a Merlot. That's what I thought. And it's got, like Brick, Brick described it really well, it's got a dry aftertaste. And uh, You don't notice the dry it's not as It's not a very robust wine. Um, as in, it's, it's, it's pretty light uh, in color. I mean, as far as wine goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really thick. Um, and how else was I going to describe it? It's got a bit of a, it's got a bit of a flat taste, if you know what it I does, mean. It does, yeah. It's a, it's a flat taste, um, a pleasant taste, but with wine, I feel like when you taste wine, uh, and I mean flat here in like more than one sense when you taste wine generally you know there's an initial taste and then after it you let it sit in your mouth a little bit and then swallow it you know if you actually think about it kind of the flavors will rise and fall a little bit with this one it's a very flat like you know the flavor that you start with is kind of the flavor that the aftertaste 
tastes like, really. And so I guess what I'm saying is there's no hints. There's no hints of anything in this. No, that, that's what I would have said. It's not... I mean, there's no, like, not, like, a hint of oak or a hint of this. It's just kind of a flat, straight, plain Jane, but decent wine. Yeah. So you so tell the us. The way they describe it via their website is a Chateau Sauvrain Merlot opens with a dark red fruit aromas reminiscent of black cherry plum and fresh blueberries I complemented by hints that. of brown spice and baking chocolate. Oh, what? That's what it says. Okay. This Merlot finishes with a soft acidity and fruit-driven balance that gives the wine a polished sense of elegance. Okay. Hmm. All right. Obviously, they're selling something. Obviously, they're selling wine. And you know, I, it's one of those things where it's like if I, I can think see about the dark hard fruits, enough, but I do not. The dark fruits, yes. I don't get the chocolatey. The chocolatey is not coming out. Or uh, the spices? When it no, absolutely not. No spices at all. The uh, the blue uh, the blackberry. You said blackberry, right? Yeah. Uh, black cherry. And black blueberry. cherry. That's what it is. Black cherry, plum, and fresh blueberries. Okay. Think of all those very dry. That I can, I can, I can. And those are common hints used that. in wine, so yeah, that's yeah. not shocking. Um, no, 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 not shocking at all. Um, as far as uh, a good or bad wine goes, uh, as far as uh, a wine that I personally enjoy, the uh, on the stew scale, I would say it's about a... A straight up six. Yeah, that's what I'd straight say. Straight up six. Now, the one last night was about a six five. Yeah, it was a um, Or sixty five percent. So this would be a sixty percent on the stew scale. Uh, so it's enjoyable. And uh, there's a point. I'm. I've got very simple tastes, and I'll pretty much drink anything, mm -hmm. even if it's like you know. Ah, that's, I mean, if I just hate the flavor, you know, if it really just disgusts me, then obviously I'm not going to drink it. But if I can tolerate, I'll usually drink it, drink it in whatever quantity I, you know, I want. Um, it can't be like too sweet, you know, I guess it can actually be too dry. If it's too dry, then I can still drink it. I have rarely if found that to sweet, be the case. If it's too sweet, then it's like, ah, I can't, I can't do much more of this. Which is funny because a lot of dry white wines are too dry really but red wines tend to not fall into yeah dry scale. yeah just because the red wines have a lot of robustness that's in there it's like there's extra little bits of flavor so i stuff. generally don't have that problem yeah you do have um shout out if any of our north carolinians are listening there is a place i believe it is in morganton yeah or lenore area um, we'll, we'll we'll have to make a, a trek down there one time, but it is the Twisted Vine Vineyards. Ooh, sounds good. Do we get to go pick our own grapes? No. Oh. They have about two wines down there that I thoroughly enjoyed, and it's because they really do. I noticed this as, because, you know, you can get a little flight and try sure, different sure. wines. Ooh. Um. And they have a lot of. They really cater towards the sweeter crowd. Huh? Okay. A lot, they do a I lot can, of sweeter wines, as long as they're not crazy sweet. Yeah. So, 
What's funny is normal sweet usually counts me out. Yeah. I'm usually done if it's too sweet uh, for a couple reasons. A, it's just, it's too much. There's uh -huh. the flavor mixed with the sugars. There's too, there's too much going on. It's hard to really thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. I might as well go drink grape juice if I want yeah. it sweet. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But they, they have probably... They have probably one of the best Merlots I've ever tried. Ooh, okay. Um, I had a previous girlfriend that uh, lived in the general vicinity and would bring me bottles when she came up to visit. And that was... points. <laughs> that was yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and actually, she was the one that introduced me to the, the vineyard. This was in early Brig wine stage. Yes. Brig had Brig hated wine for a long time because I had only ever been introduced to sweet wines. Well, oh, what do I hate? I hate yeah. that sweet flavor. So in my mind, I immediately Wines made right yeah. out. Yeah, I um and somebody introduced me to a wine we will we'll drink it here on the podcast yeah. at some point. Uh intermingle. Yeah. And it is a exactly what it sounds like it's an intermingling of different it's just a red blend it's not really a a merlot or a cab it's it's nothing it's okay. just a wine which is weird it's classified as a red blend and the standard it's relatively blend. dry and i was like i can drink this i wonder what else is out there yeah so i did a little research and found out that people that liked intermingle Generally liked Merlots and Cabs. So I was like, okay, I'll try a Merlot. Tried a few of those. Oh my gosh, fell in love with them. Changed your Changed world my view. world entirely. Tried a couple of Cabs. I was like, okay, this is my comfort zone. Yeah. Outside of that, I'm kind of not into the the different elements of, of quote unquote wine. Yeah. I uh I don't mind a wine if it's Here's the thing: the sweeter a wine gets, the slower you gotta sip it, right? Um, and if it's just ridiculously sweet, uh, like a sangria is generally too sweet, far too sweet, you know. Um, but if it's a sweeter wine, as far as my personal tastes go, I generally just drink less of it in a longer amount of time. Now there are some wines, like you know, uh, Chaco vine. It's basically a chocolate wine, okay? And it's really sweet. But it's more like a liqueur than a wine. And so for stuff like that, you know, I do like the flavor. And it's not like, I don't know, if it's like grape wine, like normal grape wine, and it's too sweet, then I'm just like, I'm out. But if it's, right. if it's, if it's something that's nuanced, if it's like, um, you know, like a chocolate wine, or if it's a liqueur, like a coffee liqueur, or there's my recent favorite is Amaruth, I don't know if you've ever had Amaruth, but it is not. really good. It's also very sweet. And you can't drink it too fast. you got to drink it slow. But it's got a, a fantastic flavor. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so this is, this is a good wine. It is. I thought I was going to say something earlier. I probably was. I think I forgot what I was going to say. That happens to me way too often. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, regardless of what I was going to say, uh, in the next five minutes, we are going to talk about some places 
to the sea. These 18 mouth-watering steakhouses in Texas are a carnivore's dream. Now, mind you, there's 18 of them, and I'm not going to read over 18 anything in five minutes. But I will hit the highlights at the bottom and just read some of these descriptions, mainly just because I want steak, because I'm a steakaholic. Um, and um, uh, let's see. So we'll read the top three. Let's see. Three. <clears throat> Flemings in Houston. Nice picture of a... Uh, uh, looks like... What do, you, what do you call that? That's uh, filet mignon. Yeah. <clears throat> which exactly filet mignon, by the way, is so... <clears throat> Let's see. Doesn't that filet mignon look absolutely mouth-watering? Hey, we got it right. Bob's won't let your taste buds down, that's for sure. Choose from a variety of prime steaks, seafood like crab cakes with honey mustard or lobster tail, and fresh produce like the lightly sautéed asparagus and mushrooms pictured above. And every meal is served in their signature glazed-to-perfection carrot. Well, good. I mean, glazed carrots is where it's at. Actually, all the side dishes, like, you know, the seasoned asparagus and the carrot and stuff. Honestly, I don't really care for those that much. Um... But, you know, the steak is good, and the loaded potato looks amazing. Uh, number two on the list is Cattleman's in Fort Worth. Now, I've heard about Cattleman's. I thought that the guy that was telling me about it said that it was somewhere else. Um, but uh, anyway, this one is in Fort Worth. Cattleman's has been around since 1947, so you can trust that they know their steaks. All their beef is corn-fed, aged in charcoal, broiled to your liking. Every cut of meat imaginable is offered with a choice between cognac peppercorn, woo, bernays, or gorgonzola steak sauce. Yeah. If you're coming in with a big appetite, complement your meal with some seafood. Like crab cakes with roasted red pepper cream sauce sounds amazing. If you're feeling like lighter fare, I would never, ever steakhouse for lighter fare. I'm going there for steak. You know, if I go into a steakhouse, it's because I want to put down some food. Opt for salmon or tilapia with lemon pepper sauce instead. But whatever you choose, be sure to save room for a slice of your legendary pecan pie. Now, you might need to roll, you might need somebody to roll your home, but it'll be totally worth it. Uh, did someone good. tell you that Cattleman's was in Billy Bob's? He's in Billy Bob's. Texas. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, it's actually, uh, there's a little community called Billy Bob's that is just, I believe, south of Fort Worth. Huh. It's a big country music startup for oh, cool. a lot of people. Like the Billy Bob's cafe and restaurant is like a lot of people made, like any any Texan, you know, that has been around the honky-tonk world knows Ooh. of Pat Green. I like me some You know, Pat Green started at Billy Bob's. Yeah. You know, a lot of these Texas musicians, that's... When you get big, it's the Grand Ole Opry of Texas. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you play at Billy Bob's. Merle's been there. You know, it's just kind of a... But anyway, I believe that's where Cattleman's is. It's actually in the district of Billy Bob, not Fort Worth. Huh, but well, that could cool. be wrong. All right, so here's the last one. Uh, this one is Perini Ranch in Buffalo Gap. It may not look like much, but don't let the exterior fool you. Yeah, mind you, this restaurant looks kind of shabby, honestly. Uh, but this is number one on the on the list in onlyinyourstate.com. Let's see. 
uh, has been voted third best steakhouse in the state by Texas Monthly. That's Texas Monthly's idea. Uh, Tom Perini stated, uh, started in a chuck wagon on his family ranch and eventually opened the restaurant on the property. So you're guaranteed an authentic Old West dining experience. All the beef is certified Angus and hand-cut with grilled perfection outside the restaurant over hot mesquite uh, coals. The side dishes, like cowboy potatoes, are made with local produce. Even Congress likes Perini's food. The Congressional Picnic in 2002 was catered by them. Uh, I don't know if you all ever saw uh, Parks and Rec, but my favorite character is Ron Swanson. And uh, this is a quote from him. He says, I need, I need five courses for dinner. And each course will be steak. <laughs> anyway. That sounds exactly like yes. that. Hey, we'll take a break right there and we'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. All right, we're yeah, back. We're back. So, uh, let's see. We join our heroes here in 2 Samuel chapter 21. Uh, mind you, in the last, in the same chapter, we didn't finish it. Uh, David avenges the Gibeonites, right? So you've got all those Gibeonites, and they were harmed by Saul. Harmed meaning like masses of them were killed by Saul and his men. And so uh, uh, God was still troubled by it um, and wanted David to do something about it. And so uh, after three years of nonstop famine, David came to God and was like, Hey... Haha, you're upset about something, aren't you? God was like, yeah, I am actually. Uh, and so... Anything I can do to help? Yeah. So David went to the Gibeonites and said, hey... Your standard customer service answer. What yeah. can I do to help? How can I help you today? <laughs> and so uh, David went to the Gibeonites and said, all right, how do we resolve this? And they said, well, send seven of Saul's... Whoever, whoever did the harm to us, send seven of their descendants... And uh, we'll deal with, deal with them. And so David's I, I like, love the additional. Okay. I don't want you to do anything for me. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it for you. Thank you very much for myself. And so David goes and finds seven descendants of Saul, sends them to the Gibeonites, and they are strung up. Um, that has to be a hard thing. Like I, I'm sure it's not what happened, but imagine like somebody completely innocent of the crimes at hand. Yeah. Maybe has never stolen anything beside a pencil. Taking the and is, is about to get strung there. up on a, on a yeah. rope, you yeah. know? And mm. I imagine that was common back in the day because back then, if your family, if you did it's something It's a sense bad, of your father kind of If thing. you did something bad, your whole family, you know, is blamed for it. You know, I don't just hate you. I hate your whole family and you. You know, if you offend me, you have offended my family, too. And if I offend you, I've offended you and your family. And so it's not uncommon if, you know, uh, if your brother, you know, murders my brother, I'm going to be the one who has to go avenge him. And if something happens to this guy, I might just say, all right, well, somebody else in the family is going to pay for it. Yes, know? that's you. Yeah. And so that... You know, that was very common back then. Uh, and so Saul wasn't around to do any penance. And so they're like, all right, we'll send us seven of Saul's descendants. And so um, 
that's the way that it went. Um, and anyway, uh, their bones were all uh, buried uh, later, I believe, down in Gilboa. Um, and so, anyway, uh, moving on here. So now the caption says, Philistine giants destroyed. This is verse 15 in 2 Samuel 21, and we will read on. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, this is a common trope, is it not? David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob, there's a name, Ishbi Benob, who is one of the sons of the giant, is that talking about Goliath? I think so. Ishbi Benob uh, was was one of the sons of the giant. I think this might be a son of uh, Goliath. The weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, though he could kill David. Oh, 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 thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Azariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now it happened afterwards that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then uh, Sibachai, the Hushethite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. So the giant is losing a couple of sons here and there. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jar Origim, uh, the Bethlehemite, the killed the brother of Goliath, the, the Gittite. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number and he who was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and fell by the, sword, by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Very, very interesting. I'm not sure what all is going on here, but uh, Goliath uh, obviously was... You know, the big, he's, he's what got David started, you know. Right. He was David's first big, first big victory. And I say he was David's first big victory. Wrong. It was God's victory. God is, the only God reason, David. the only reason that David had, um, you know, the guts to stand up to Goliath is because of a promise that God made him. Okay. When David was anointed, by Samuel, uh, God said, hey, you're going to be king after after uh, Saul. In fact, you're going to be king in place of Saul. Saul will become king no longer, and you'll be king in his stead, eventually. And so think about David's position. He goes to the camps, and everybody is sitting there in the fetal position just crying over these Philistines because they're so big and mean and scary. You know, and Goliath is over there beating his shields and hollering and hooping and making noise saying, hey, we are going to stomp you guys because you suck. 
Um, and what does David say? Who do these uncircumcised Philistines think they are uh, to stand in the way of the Almighty God? Mm-hmm. And so David is like, all right, I'll fight Goliath. And Saul and everybody else just like, whoa, 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 kid. Hold on. Hold up. Really? And David's like, yeah, I'm going to go fight Goliath. And Saul's like, okay, well, shoot, you need some armor, kid. Let me give you my armor. David's like, okay, your armor doesn't fit. I think I'll be fine without it. Well, what about a sword? You could use a sword, right? David's like, I got my sling over here and a couple of stones. That should be fine. And everybody's sitting around just like in awe. You know, pick my jaw up off of the flow. Kid, what do you think you're doing? You know, who do you think you are? Yeah, who do you think you are? Your older brother just told you to go back there and tend the sheep. You know, go feed the sheep, little boy. Uh, This is for the big boys to do. We're the man. Why did David have, you know, uh, the confidence to take on the biggest and the baddest of the Philistines with no armor, with no sword, with only a sling, and with the boldness to say, uh, the things that he said, you know, you know, to heck with these Philistines, I'll take them on. The only reason he was able to do all that was because God made him a promise. God said, you will be king after Saul in place of Saul. So David knew ahead of time, hey, if I'm going to be king in place of Saul, then I can go out there and it doesn't matter who I fight. It could be a thousand men and I'll fight them all because God said that I was going to be king. Saul is still king, so I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I can take all the chances and the risks that I want and God will protect me because he said that I was going to be king. And because Saul is still king... That time hasn't come yet, and if that time is going to come, I must be alive, and in order for me to be alive, I can't die. And so if I can't die, then I can take on anybody, and I'm good to go. Because the big man upstairs is protecting me. Right. So what did he do? He trusted in God. He had confidence in God, who made him a promise. He trusted in God fully, and so was able to take on everything. That's why, you know, he never laid a hand on Saul. Part, you know, mostly because, you know, he's, he's you know, uh, God already anointed him king. But also because, you know, he knew that he had nothing to lose. Right. Saul can't kill me. He literally can't kill me. How many spears did Saul throw at David and miss? <laughs> All of them? All of them? And the reason is because Saul literally couldn't kill David because God was protecting David. Because God made David a promise. You will be king. If Saul is still king, then that time hasn't come yet. So you must be alive for that time to come. And so, you know, basically he's got a a get-out-of-jail-free card for every situation. Right. So um, anyway, that was just a little aside there. Um, But David took on uh, Goliath. And... Right here in chapter 21, the Philistines are at war with David again. And 
David took out the biggest and the baddest, baddest uh, Philistine at first, which was Goliath. And it seems like his sons are cut from the same cloth. And so uh, David is taking them out and basically getting rid of the most powerful Philistines. Um, and so as it says here, four, these four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So uh, God is just removing uh, Goliath and his descendants um, and possibly bringing a little bit more peace to the land of Israel mm -hmm. and David's new found kingdom. Uh, and so, yeah, anyway, well, that is, that's the end of chapter 21. You know, it's a little bit early, but we're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break right there and we'll get back and start chapter 22. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. And we're back. So, now we're in chapter 22. Chapter 22 is a praise to God. Praise for God's deliverance is the, the caption here. I shall read this on. This is basically a psalm, really. Basically, yeah. Um, then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of wait, all of the enemies. Wait, did it say song? Song, yes. I thought you said song. I was like, wait, no, hold wait, on. Wait, wait, what? Uh, no, literally song. just said that. Uh, spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Oh, wow. So this might be this might be the end. It says, you know, uh, delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So Saul and all his descendants and all David's sons who hated him and you know the giant and Gath and his, his descendants. His punishment coming to a close. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but it does say all his enemies are from the hand of Saul. I suppose more enemies might come along, but anyway. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold and my refuge. My savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid and the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Uh, that is, I've been there, not literally, but, uh, so many times have I cried out to God and I know that he heard me. Um, and that's really wonderful because that's very, it's comforting to know that the creator of all things, the most powerful being in the universe Listen to little old me 
and understands my frustrations. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were uncovered. And at the rebuke of the Lord, at the last of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanliness of my hands, he has recompensed me. Recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanliness in his eyes. Hold on. Right in the page. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the, with the pure, you will show yourself pure, and with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty, that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, for the Lord shall strengthen my darkness, for, you, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect, the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Ah, uh, that's kind of like what I was saying earlier. Um... You are my lamp, O Lord, uh, enlighten my darkness. Uh, for by you, I can run against a troop, leap over a wall. Uh, your way is perfect. And, Defeat a giant. Yeah, the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him. And he's saying, trust in the Lord. He is your shield. Uh, and he will protect his own. And uh, so in this earlier part here with the merciful you will show yourself merciful with the blameless man you will show yourself blameless blameless with the pure you will show yourself pure and with the devious you will show your uh, you will show yourself shrewd you will save the humble people but your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down that is wow so he's showing how um, God deals you know with uh, merciful people, with blameless people, with shrewd people, God deals with them according to their behavior. Mm -hmm. If you're merciful, God will be merciful to you. If you're blameless, 
then uh, God will, you know, show yourself blameless. With the devious, God will show himself shrewd. And so uh, that's a real, it's a, it's a cry for uh, being blameless before the Lord, for walking before him in purity um, and uh, following God's statutes. And, you know, David knows better than anybody that when you start deviating from God's, path. you know, path, uh, God will smack you down and... Um, for the devious, good things do not follow. Yeah, David was devious. God is shrewd with him. Mm -hmm. uh, your eyes are. Uh, it's a, you will save the humble people. Your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. You know. Uh, so, what he's saying is, follow God's law, be merciful and kind, and God will deal it with you accordingly. Don't do that, and God will, um, unfortunately for you, deal with you accordingly. Well, let's see. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power. And he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Again, David was a man of incredible feats. He was able to dodge Saul and all of his wickedness. He was able to hey, bring we down... We should point that out. Saul was a trained soldier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he was trained probably better than anybody else. Right. He was a soldier of soldiers. This is back when kings went to war. Um... And so if you're the king, you got trained better than anybody. Uh, also, if anybody needs to die, like it's not the, part the king. Where it says, he makes my feet like the feet of deer. Folks, yeah. if y'all haven't seen deer run, they are the most graceful animal. Probably. They're quiet, they're quiet and they're sure-footed for the yeah. most part, unless yeah. you hit them with a car. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, they still run away. Like you this. know? I mean, realistically, they're that. I like that analogy. Like, it's he makes my feet like the feet of deer. Like, yeah. I'm there, but I'm gone. Yeah. And yeah. you don't know. And uh, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So David is just saying, you know, hey, um, God is my strength. Yeah, he's kind of saying God made me who I God am. God made me who I am. Everything that I have... I give the glory to God, and I am great in the land. I am. You know, that's a, just a fact. You know, and I can boast in that. I can boast in the fact of how great I am because it's not me that made me great. God made me great. And so we can always boast in God um, because that's where, you know, uh, he is perfect, right? He's He's ultimate. He's He's most worthy um so god is my strength and my power and he makes my way perfect you have also given me the shield of your salvation your gentleness has made me great you enlarged my path under me so my path my feet did not slip so that right there is um um 
I was thinking something else. Never mind. I keep reading. Uh, I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued those under uh, you have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies, so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord. But he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. You have also delivered me from the string, from the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. So David's just giving, uh, he's just telling everything that you know has happened to him in his lifetime, you know, and how God is uh, at the forefront of that, driving and pushing and pulling David on, you know. Because, um, yeah, David became so great in the land, you know, these foreigners would come by and be like, hey, uh, hey, David. Uh we don't really want you to pound us, so we'll, we'll come fight for you. Um, the foreigners submit to me, and, you know, David was constantly at war with different foreigners, Philistines and the like. And uh, so many times they came against him, and David is like, okay, well, let's just go fight them. We'll win, and he did, you know. Uh, there were so many times, I mean, we read some strange stories back there. They're like, why in the world were these morons fighting David? That was a really bad reason to fight David. They're stupid. They started a war for the sake of starting a war, mm -hmm. you know? And David was, you know, probably thinking like, why are these dummies trying to fight me? This is stupid. But it all worked to David's favor because anytime somebody fought him, he would win, and then he'd take all the spoils. He'd take their city, he'd take their rulers, he'd take their people, um, and they would come under his law. And so it's like, sure, go ahead and fight me. You know, you're the ones who are going to be serving me when you lose. And that happened so often. And so, like it says here, the foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away. Uh, they come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. Wow. wow. So that Jeez. is, yeah, that's the end of chapter 22. That's David's song to uh, the yeah, Lord. And what, what is your next 
paragraph. Uh, so David's it. last words. Okay, yeah, the line says the last words of David. So we'll save that for obviously the next podcast. But um, you know, goosebumps. Wow. So I guess we'll be talking about what we'll start up next. Because when we started this, it was just we need to talk about David. So let's talk about David. And David is quickly coming to a close. Part of it. Part of it. Yeah. Um, but Kings is next, and we're gonna we're gonna review that because I think uh. there's some there's some good stuff. I was kind of doing some pre-reading earlier today. Some pre-reading. Mm-hmm. And good stuff. But we'll obviously determine what we're gonna look at next, and. Uh, We'll be right back. We're going to take an obscene profit break. See you in a minute. All right, we're back. We are back. So Lots of good stuff. Wow. We were just talking a little bit, and I said, you know, David's coming to a close here, and Brig made a good point that not really. If you read the, if you read the last verse of 2 Samuel, it doesn't say anything about him dying yet, so... Uh, I think we're going to see more of Daniel in Kings. Uh, David? David, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I said yeah, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, sweet. See more of David in Kings. I mean, the name of the book is Kings, right? So I assume, obviously, I haven't, you know, dug deep into it uh, in years. So, then again, you know, we may or may not. But he, it doesn't seem like his life... His life comes to a close. Here at the end of Samuel, anyway. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eventually, obviously. Eventually. That's uh, bound to happen. Yeah, it's bound to happen. So, well, man, what what do you take from this? And this is, you know, kind of like a, what I would call a pre-psalm, really. This right here you is know, definitely There is a, a lot of things in here that we see Surprise throughout the Surprised that this isn't a psalm. Um, and being that, you know, it's kind it, it really... It's a mixture of a lot of the psalms because as you're reading it, I'm like, I've heard that verse before, yeah. but not here. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the the Lord is my light. You know, yeah, makes a way into my path. I, I don't remember where that is, but that's not that verse. Right. There yeah. is another verse, almost identical to that. Almost. You know, and so there's several things. It's like a. I, I think it's actually in Proverbs that verse. Yeah, maybe so. But, you know, it's kind of a, a direct parallel, just showing that he, this is what I see as kind of the start of what we read in Psalms and Proverbs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this is his, you know, compilations of songs to the Lord, you know, mm -hmm. um, which is really, it's beautiful. We should yeah. think of it as exactly that. You know, yeah. it's kind of a, a beautiful way of communication that we have with the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, there's... Uh, Music is healing. It really is. You know, um, so, I'm not this way, but there are some people, you might be one of them, who cannot drive two minutes. They can't drive, they can't park their car across the street. Not turning on music and listening to it. No, car. I can. I, I like to have music when I'm driving, but it's like there's some days, I mean, truthfully, I'll just shut everything off and just drive. Just I'm drive. And I, I, 
you know, those quiet times are kind of like me and the Lord. Yeah. You know, yeah. that gives me an open opportunity. I'm driving. Exactly. There's nothing else I can do. It's time to talk to right. the Lord. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the way I spend a lot of my time. With me, really, every once in a while, I'll listen to music. Yeah. It's not every once in a while I'll turn it off. It's every once in a while I'll listen to music. When I'm in the car with other people, I will listen to music. Yeah. 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 When I'm in the car by myself, I'm listening to the Bible different Christian podcasts, you know, I'm listening to different, you know, uh, theologians mm -hmm. and Bible philosophers talking about So That's what I listen yeah. to more normally. Uh, but, you know, there's sometimes where I just shut all that off and it's like, I'm good with silence. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to have times where you, you shut the world out. Definitely. You know, because, you know, God... We are not of this world. You know, yeah. we are for higher and greater things. God has built us for that. And we don't, we don't, uh, you know, capitalize on that enough. That's true. That, you know, we have direct communication with a higher power and we let that go. You know, we yeah. let things like music, you know, every time you get in the car, let's turn on, you know, such and such. If we're parking the car three seconds away. You know, I, I know a lot of people like that. Yeah. Two specifically come to mind. I'm not giving your names, but I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, that's that's something that uh, I had actually, this is a more recent thought for me. Because I was, I was selling a car to a guy about a year and a half ago. And when most people buy cars nowadays... Like, the second or third thing they do is, let's listen to the stereo. Yeah, let's make sure it works. Yeah, I want to see what it sounds like. Yeah. It's not good, this ain't the car for me. Yeah. And so I'm so geared towards that's what people want. You know, this guy, I got in the car with him, I was like, hey, let's turn on the stereo. He's like, no, I'm good. So you don't listen to music? He said, no. I said, ever? He goes, oh, I'm in the car. Huh. I was like, really? Like, wh what about on like a three-hour trip? He said, I enjoy my solitude. Huh. Good for him. And I said, you really don't listen to music. I was, at this point, I was like, I gotta know. Yeah. Your secret, I've gotta know it. And he didn't say anything about prayer. This wasn't his introduction to, you know, Romans to me. It was just like, I just like my solitude. His words echoed to me, and what I'm about to say is exactly what he told me, and it echoed to me differently than he may have intended it. Yeah. He said it one way, and I took it as, man, I don't spend enough time with God. Yeah. <laughs> that was the way I took this. It's not the way it was intended. He said, the world is noisy. When I get in my car, that should be the one spot that's quiet. Huh. And I was like, really? Wow. There's your prayer room right there. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's only one thing that you can do physically in the car, and that is steer. Drive. And watch where you're going. Yeah. You know, and you can't get up. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't, you know, switch seats. You can't take a nap. You yeah. can't go get a snack. Well, I guess you can get a snack. It's that was, that was his snack. fortress of solitude, yeah. you know. And I respected that guy for that. And I don't know if he was a Christian or not. You know, we really didn't get into that. 
But when he said that to me, he's like, the, the world is noisy enough. This is the one place that's yeah. quiet. I was like, whoa, whoa, back up. Yeah. I've been doing this wrong the whole time. <laughs> you yeah. know? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, I had somebody ask me if uh, that I would listen to a book on tape recently. And they were like, ah, you've got plenty of time, you know, on your way to work and on the way back. And I yeah, said, yeah. yeah. Technically, but I I listen to the Bible and you know I listen to this and this, so I've kind of got that time. Yeah, I've got it down pat. And yeah. I've got it allotted for things that I feel is important. And he was like, "Okay, well, should I actually tell you to listen to something other than God's word?" No, but if you have time, you should listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, you know. See, I really like listening to, to, to books and stuff like that. That was actually Clayton. Oh, is that Clayton? Yeah, he yeah. wanted me to listen to Why We Sleep. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah which yeah. I want to I wanna listen to the book. I've been planning on it, but it's just like my time is kind of allotted for right now with yeah. what I've got going on. Um, I've started listening to some stuff while I'm at the gym, and it works, you know, because I don't necessarily have to listen to music. I just have to have the brain doing something. Sure. Yeah. You know, while you're crunching down weights, but... You know, my time to and from work is pretty much booked with God. Yeah. And I kind of like that. Yeah. You know, I've got yeah. I've got time to, you know, and from that, you know, this is exactly what I do. Uh, I try to listen to podcasts in the morning on the way to work because, let's be honest, I'm not myself before coffee. Yeah. I'm not going to pick we, up we all can, of it. I can vouch for that. But... On my way home, I've already had coffee. I'm great-minded, and I usually listen to the Bible on the way home. Okay. Because I'm getting the full aspect of it. Whereas my podcasts and stuff, whatever I choose to listen to in the morning, I try to keep it biblically related to keep me good on my path for the rest of the day. Sure. But at the end of the day, I know I'm not going to pick <clears throat> up everything I listen to there. Yeah. Because the brain is saying, yeah, we're not ready to be awake yet. You got us up before the alarm. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's that point in time where your brain is like, dude. Why? I know you hate me, but for once, can you not hate me and sleep in a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Can you hate me a little less? Yeah, yeah. I know that you're going to hate me, but please, if you can hate me less, that'd be all right with me, you know? Uh, my brain is constantly like, you know, dude. You're waking up now. I mean, obviously, this is when you need to wake up, but the time that you went to bed last night does not dictate getting up at this hour of the morning. <laughs> it's like there's not enough, you know. I always used to laugh at my dad because my dad, my dad is this crazy, stupid internal clock. It doesn't matter if he goes to sleep at 8 o'clock or if he goes to sleep at 1 o'clock. That man will be up at 4.30. Oof, every that. morning and he, he can't help it like he's told me i can't help it's the internal that clock i'm up and terrible. what's funny is dad good on him he can get up out of bed and go and i'm like no sorry what yeah he can start full conversations from the moment his head lifts the pillow yeah and i'm going so honey like i was saying last night yeah <laughs> it's like what how is that even humanly possible? Yeah, stop. You're embarrassing yeah. me. <laughs> uh, You're embarrassing me in front of my pillow. <laughs> yeah. 
yes. you know? And I know people like that. I have my manager. Oh, my gosh. Stuart. Yeah, his name is Stuart. U-A-R-T. Yeah. You know? Love him to pieces. He's amazing. Hands down, one of the the best managers I've ever had. And is a listener. Yeah. Um, shout out. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Stu. He, I love him, but he can drive. It's, it's selective on the morning. Because sometimes by the time I'm at work, I'm I'm there, and sometimes I'm not. Yeah. And he is like, boom, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's get it. You know, he's been on pre-workout since 5 o'clock. He doesn't nice. know what to do with his life except fly, and he can't yet. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I love it because the energy is amazing, especially in the sales world. You love to have that energy. But it's like. He's he's over here like prepping, trying to get us energy, and I'm like, no, no, we're not. First cup of coffee hasn't entered the, the stomach yet. Yeah, I'm not. G- give me at least that. Yes, give me coffee or give me death. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, give me give me at least that before you want me to get like pumped and ready to start conquering yeah, nations. Just like, you know, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, I'm over yeah, here yeah. like. Uh, you know, I let him do his thing, and I love it because it's awesome. And the energy is good. It, yeah. it is. You know, you love to see that energy, but a lot of times I'm just like, man, I'm not, even man, I'm not ready for that kind of energy. I'm not ready for that kind of energy. No. We're not there yet. I tell you all what, you know, you all stay in the word, and we will uh, we'll catch you all next time. I think there's some good stuff coming. Yeah. Uh, more than likely, we'll start on Kings. I, um... But... I think I think the chances are high, but we're gonna we're gonna do some studying and yeah. uh, talk about it. We'll see you next time. All right, adios.